0: Our Father, we bow before you this morning. We praise you. We thank you. We just uh, stand in awe of how you can shape and change a person's life. We thank you for Aaron's testimony and um, what you've done in his life. And Father, it is our prayer that you would continue to sh- just to transform lives, um, not only of the addicts that are in our community, but just people in general that just need to be transformed. Father, work in our hearts, and I pray that as we go into the remainder of our service, we look into your word, that you would take it, apply it to our lives, and forever change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, why don't you all be seated. While you're being seated, let me put in a couple of plugs here for some things. Uh, The 101 class, this is the introduction to our church family, is today at 2 o'clock. We have a good group signed up, but maybe you haven't. Now, this is for people who just are kind of new to the church, would like to know all about Dogwood Church. This explains everything, gives you a chance to ask questions. Um, you don't have to have signed up to come. I'm telling you now that if you want to come at 2 o'clock back in the fellowship hall where the C2R group meets, we are going to uh, have it, and it will last, it will be over about 4.30, 4.45, somewhere in there. Last couple hours, but I'll feed you some refreshments, so don't worry. I'll take care of you. And um, you will then know everything you need to know about the church. This is designed for people who are just curious about the church, but it is also a prerequisite if you want to join. You're not joining by coming. Uh, you can make that decision later, but you can't join without coming. So keep that in mind. And we don't offer it that often, so um, if you can come today, that would be great. Also out there on the um, Welcome Center are the sign-ups for the growth groups. They begin on October the 20th. They meet in the, on Sunday evenings in homes, and we have one that meets here at the church, but they begin at 6 and they end at 7.30. And they discuss the sermon from that day. So there's a chance for you to get together with another group of people and talk about what you have questions about, um, discuss the message, the application of it, um, that sort of thing. It's a great time just to meet some people and to get to know them and also just a chance to then debrief or talk about the message and what you heard that morning. So keep that in mind, okay? I want to begin by sharing with you a kind of a funny story. It uh, goes like this. It says that old Fred's hospital bed was surrounded by well-wishers, but it doesn't look good for him. Suddenly, he motions frantically for the pastor for something to write on. The pastor lovingly hands him a pen and a piece of paper. Fred uses this last bit of energy to scribble a note, and then he dies. The pastor thinks it's best not to even read the note because the family's so upset. He said they'll just wait till later, so he places it in his coat pocket. At Fred's funeral, as the pastor was finishing his eulogy, he remembered that he's wearing the same jacket that he was wearing that day. So he reaches into his pocket to get the note, and he says that Fred handed me this note just before he died. He says, I haven't looked at it, but knowing Fred, I'm sure there's a word of inspiration in it for all of us. So he opened the note, and he read, help, you're standing on my oxygen hose. (laughs) Now... What you have there is a failure to communicate. Um, the thread just couldn't get it out or communicate it well. And when we talk about communication and the problems that arise from communication, it happens to us in churches, it happens to us with our friends, it happens to us in business and work, but it also happens in marriage. I would venture to say that probably the biggest issues with the people that are struggling in marriage is over the issue of communication. They just can't seem to communicate adequately enough to understand each other and to appreciate each other and to maybe deal with the issues that they have. They end up in counseling trying to learn how just to communicate and to talk to each other. It's been said that the average couple spends four minutes a day in meaningful conversation. Now, that doesn't mean they don't talk. It just means meaningful conversation. Otherwise, it's just surface stuff and dealing with issues and Uh, so forth, but it's not meaningful conversation. Now today what we're going to be doing is this. As you know, we're in a study in the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 5 in our study and dealing with marriage. in that section in Ephesians 5 that deals with marriage. Now we're backtracking a little bit because I want to go back to a previous passage. But today we're talking about communication in marriage. I'm going to share with you four rules for communication. Now, let me explain what I mean by this. These are four rules that, if you understand these concepts, um, understand and can apply these, they're going to help you in every situation that you have where you are in a relationship with anybody, be it a coworker, family member, but especially in marriage, and in marriage is the application that I'm working on today. We're moving into the area of that, of of dealing with it as it pertains to uh, married couples. But we are are talking about uh, these four rules, and we're going to be talking about two of them today and two of them the next next time we talk, okay? Um, So we're not covering all four today. And like I said before, this applies to any relationship you have. Now, before we get there, before we even start talking about these rules of communication, let me share with you three observations about communication between married couples, okay? So just listen very carefully to these. These are just general observations that you need to be aware of when it comes to communication in marriage. Number one. When it comes to communication, men and women are very different. Now, you may come as a surprise to some of you, but I don't think so. I think that you're probably already aware of that, that we are just different. It's not good or bad. It's just acknowledging the fact that there is a difference between men and women. Now, here's, um, again, it's kind of a humorous list, but it's the way men think. and, And this is true. Okay, it may sound outlandish to you, but this is so true of men and the way we think. This is going to help you, okay, if you do not understand how men think, listen to this, okay? Number one, it says if you ask a question you don't really want an answer to, expect an answer you didn't want to hear. So this is talking to the wife. If you're asking questions you don't really want an answer to, then we're going to give you an answer. It may, it may not be the one you want to hear. You need to know that. Number two, sometimes we're not thinking about you. Just live with it. Um, every, seems like women expect men to be thinking about them all the time. Girls, we just don't. I mean, I wish we did, but we just don't. Don't ask us what we're thinking About unless you are prepared to discuss topics such as naval lint, the shotgun formation, or monster trucks. We can be simply just wandering around with our minds wandering. We don't have to be thinking about anything. This is hard for women to understand, but it is so true. When we have to go somewhere, absolutely anything you wear is fine. Really. It is fine. Here's another one you need to understand about the way men think. Crying is blackmail. You cannot cry, okay? This just throws men into a tailspin. They don't know how to deal with this. Another one says, ask for what you want. Let me be clear about this one. Subtle hints don't work. Strong hints don't work. Really obvious hints don't work. Just say it. And you need to know that, girls. Just hinting doesn't work. We are thick when it comes to that, okay? We just really are. No, we do not know what day it is. We never will. Just mark the anniversary on a calendar that you know we look at. We're not mind readers, and we never will be. Our lack of mind reading ability is not proof of how little we care about you. Now, maybe you've been a victim of this. You should have read my mind. You don't care about me. No, that's not true. We just don't do that. Yes and no are perfectly acceptable answers to almost every question. Come to us with a problem only if you want help solving it. That's what we do. Sympathy is what your girlfriends are for. So just keep that in mind. How many times has your wife come to you with a problem and you got you know, there's an answer. Then she gets mad at you. You weren't supposed to give an answer. I wasn't looking for an answer. I just want you to sympathize with me or empathize, whatever. And that's the that's the way it is. Here's another one. It is neither in your best interest nor ours, men, to take any quiz together. So if you find one of those quizzes in a magazine about husbands, just don't, don't bother, guys. You're, you're going to lose. Anything we said six months ago is inadmissible in any argument. All comments become null and void after seven days. So just keep that in mind. That's the way we think. You can't go back on us six months ago. We can't even remember what we said six months ago. If something we said can be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you sad or angry... We meant it the other way. Okay, just keep that in mind. All right, you can either ask us to do something, or you can tell us how you want it done. But you can't do both. That's so true. Here's another one. Whenever possible, please say whatever you have to say during commercials. (laughs) Now, see, we laugh at that. But guys, I'm telling, girls, I'm telling you, well, that's the way we think. You know, talk to me during this three-minute commercial, but when the ball game's on, don't be talking. Our relationship is never going to be like it was the first two months when we were dating. That's just a fact. It won't be. If we ask what's wrong, now listen, this is the last one. If we ask what's wrong with you and you say nothing, we will act like nothing's wrong. Now, we know you're lying, but it's just not worth the hassle (laughs) Girls, this is how we think, okay? And this is is kind of humorous, tongue in cheek, but believe me, it is so true. Um, we are guilty of that; we really are. And you need to be aware of that. Here's the, so the first one is this: when it comes to communication, we're we're just totally different, and you need to be aware of that. Here's the second observation about communication that I want you to be aware of: good communication does not mean an absence of conflict. Keep that in mind. Good communication is not saying that you don't have problems because you're two human beings. You know, you come into a marriage with all of your baggage and all of your sinfulness and attitudes and things, and and you bring that in and you're going to have conflicts. That's not what we're talking about. People think we communicate just fine because we don't have problems, but that may not necessarily be true. Communication is simply this. It's talking about you making an effort and learning how to understand the other person, to understand what it is they're saying, why they're hurt, why they're angry, to listen to what they're telling you. Because, again, we men especially, and it's not just us, but I'm, I'll speak for our gender here, okay? We really have trouble with hearing and understanding what someone else is saying, and especially our wives. But communication means I need to listen to your point of view and your problem, your issues, and I need to try to understand that. And the same for the wife as well, because it works both ways. Here's the third observation that I want you to be aware of, and that is our goal is to learn how to deal with communication problems In a biblical fashion. That's what we're talking about here today. If you are struggling with communicating with your spouse, then there's only one solution. And I've told you this before. God's way. It's the answer to all of life's problems. That you do life God's way. That's what we're talking about here. Um, You may be thinking, well, you don't understand my problem. I don't have to understand your problem. I need for you to understand what scripture says. And this applies, again, across the board. But I want you to think in terms of it today, if you're married, in terms of your relationship to your spouse. So let me share with you now the two two out of the four rules of communication. If you will apply these, and if you will do these, then you, what you're going to see is a an increase in your ability to communicate, to understand each other, to appreciate each other. To be able to get your point across and vice versa. And that's what we're after here. Doesn't solve all of your problems, but it gives you the tools to deal with your problems in marriage, okay? Let me begin by reading this passage. It's just these three verses. I'm going back to Ephesians chapter four. It's a passage we've already looked at, but I'm, I told you I'm going to come back to it now and look at it from the perspective of marriage. So that's how I'm dealing with this today. Here's the passage in chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, in that three verses, there are two of these um these laws here, the rules, if you will, for communication. Here's the first one. To be honest. In a relationship, you need to be honest. Now, you think to yourself, well, I am honest. But if you start looking and examining how you communicate, you're really not, probably. Very few of us are completely honest. Now, in this passage, he says in verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Now, just instead of neighbor, put your spouse in there. And look at it from that perspective. You're talking about trying to speak truthfully to your spouse. Now, when we went through this the first time, I was applying it generally about putting off bad behavior and putting on good behavior. That as a believer, we're called upon by God to stop doing certain things which is the putting off of sinful actions. But a lot of times we're told in Scripture to do this instead. Now, we're, we're fairly good at putting off. That's what usually is preached from the pulpit. Thou shalt not. But we're not too good at putting on. We're not too good about proclaiming what it is that we should be doing in a relationship. And so in this passage, this is what he's saying. He said you put off falsehood, but then you're going to have to start speaking truthfully. Now, let me share with you some things, ways in which we are not truthful, ways that we're not truthful, okay? Number one is just blatant lying, blatant lying, just a bald-faced lie that you tell to your spouse. Let me give you an example. You come home from work, and your spouse asks you, what would you do for lunch today, honey? And you say, well, th- myself and some of the guys from, from uh, work went out to Subway and got something to eat. And then you go on. It's all over. The conversation, you know, is finished. Only that's not true. What really happened was you were sitting there at lunch by yourself, and three of the ladies were going out to lunch, and they invited you to go. Perfectly harmless. But you didn't know how your wife would take it, and you chose instead to just lie about it. It wasn't you and the guys, it was you and three women, and you thought, man, this doesn't look good, she may think something's going on, so i just not tell her. Well, she finds out, and then what happens? All of a sudden, in her mind now, an innocent act of going out to to lunch with some co-workers has turned into a big ordeal, because you lied and now you can't be trusted. What's going on? Is there one of them that you're... Attracted to what's happening? Why do you feel the need to lie to me about that? And can I ever trust you again? And all of a sudden, it is exploded into this massive problem simply because you, out of fear, primarily, you chose to lie about it. This is one of the ways that we are not truthful. We are telling lies, and God is saying, okay, in a marriage, this will kill trust. If you have been in a habit of lying to your spouse, trust me, they know, or they will. Nothing will kill uh, your communication quicker than you lying to your spouse. So you've got to stop lying. You've got to put off falsehood. That's the first thing. Now here's another way in which we are not truthful, and that is deception by omission. We are deceptive by omitting certain things that are not true or or should be told. Here's an example. You went out to lunch. You come home. What would you do for lunch today, honey? You still went out with the three women, but you say this. You say, well, I went out with some co-workers, and we went out to such and such, and we had lunch. Now, you technically are telling her the truth, but you omitted something out of fear. Again, she finds out about it, and all of it blows up in your face simply because you weren't forthcoming. You're trying to hide something. You're deceiving. Now, we do this a lot in marriage. You know, we just don't come out with all of the facts because, you you know, you don't want to be misunderstood. You don't want the hassle. And so we do this. And again, you're doing nothing but causing doubt in marriage. Two sides to the same coin, blatant lying and just leaving things out. If you want to stifle communication, if you want to cause more problems in your marriage than you're ready to deal with, then just do that and you're going to suffer the consequences. So just clear that up. But now there's another way in which we lie that we don't often talk about. You don't often hear uh, people talk about it or preach upon it, and here it is. The third way in which we lie to each other is by clamming up. We clam up. We don't tell what's on our hearts. We just don't respond. Honey, is there anything wrong? No, I'm fine. But you're really not. You've been hurt. I don't know how I've hurt you. I'm trying to find out. But you, because you're hurt embarrassed, whatever, have decided that you're not going to respond? Is that truthful? When you tell me that there's nothing wrong, when you give me the silent treatment, is that right? But yet we do it. How many times has this happened to you? There's nothing wrong. No, I'm okay. Just forget about it and go on. Only to find that a few weeks down the road it's brought up again because it's not okay. And so we we face a situation like this, and, and it works both ways now. Men and women both are guilty of this. And we think to ourselves, our spouse should be a mind reader. They should have known wh- how they hurt me. They should have known that what they said just cut me to the core. Why didn't they know that? If they really cared about me, they would know that. And so we go through this mind game of, of talking and to ourselves and and just working ourselves up. You know, it's true that we do hurt each other. Um, It's true that we hurt our spouses, and sometimes we just don't mean to. Sarcasm and cutting words are destructive. There's really no room or place in a relationship for sarcasm. Um, Sometimes we are resentful, we're angry, we're upset, whatever it may be, and so we respond in a sarcastic manner. Or we'll say things that we know the person is sensitive about and just cuts them to the core. Why? Because we really want to hurt them. I'm mad and I need to hurt you. And so we do that. You know, Leadership Magazine years ago came out with an article about communication. And in that article they said that 90% of conflicts in any relationship come from your tonal voice. Now, guys, you know this is true. It, it, I think we're probably more guilty of this than women, but it, it works both ways. We can say the most innocent thing, but in the way in which we say it, and it's like, why are you angry? Why are you saying it that way? What, what are you doing? You know, I've said things. My wife will ask a question. I'll respond. she said, well, aren't you snippy? I didn't mean to be, but I probably was. And then I have to backstep and look at myself and think, well, what's going on? And I could be thinking about something totally different. I could be upset with some of you. And I took it out on her, see. Um, It could be any reason for it. But a lot of times that happens. And here's the point, though. When you clam up, there's two parts to this verse. Now look at it in verse 25. He says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. That's the lying whether it be blatant or sins of omission, just as, you know, you put that off. He said, but now you have a responsibility to speak truthfully to your spouse. So guys, gals, if you're hurt, you have to say something. Your responsibility before God is to get this out and to say this because your spouse needs to know that. You cannot hide behind Clamming up and saying, nothing's wrong. That is not fair, but it's also not biblical, remember? Our, our, our goal here is to be biblical in our relationships. And so as a endeavor here to be a, a biblical Christian, then I need to start saying to people, my spouse especially, you, that you know, that hurt. You can say this in love because the Bible talks about speaking the truth in love. That's the way it should be done. But sometimes we just fail to speak up. We've got to get into the habit. And this is hard, okay? It's hard especially for guys. Guys, we would rather have a root canal than talk about the way we feel. You hear me, girls? We don't like it. It's like nails on a chalkboard for us. How do you feel about this? I could be boiling hot, but I would rather die than tell you that. I don't want to share what's in here. We have to get past that. Women are guilty too. You know, you clam up too. But there's got to be a way in which couples come together and say to each other, you know what, that really hurt. When you said it that way, you made me feel like, Man, I've done something wrong, and if I have, tell me, I want to know. If I haven't, then please don't talk that way to me, because it really hurts. See, we need to tell that, and we need to have the freedom to say that. Now, just think, okay, just this one rule of communication. If you begin to apply that to your life, think how many problems would just dissolve. They wouldn't become problems. Because you've learned how to communicate in a way that's biblical and kind of diffuse the situations before they get started. Because on the spot, you were able to say what you felt. If we could just begin to do that, we'd be light years ahead of a lot of other people when it comes to marriage problems. Now, I've got to move on. Here's the second one very quickly. And that is the second rule of communication is that you keep current. That you keep current. You don't let things Go. You've got to deal with them. This is talking about dealing with them quickly. Now watch these next two verses in verses 26 and 27. He says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Now this, is a, uh, this one is important for all of us because we misunderstand sometimes about anger. Let me explain something. You know, the Bible doesn't really teach that anger is a sin. Now, this may come as a shock to some of you because you've always been taught that you shouldn't be angry. The Bible doesn't teach that. You know, Jesus got angry in the temple. He didn't sin. Anger is simply energy. In other words, God has instilled within us the ability to become angry in order to get something done. Sometimes it takes that to motivate us to make some changes. We get angry about things. I mean, Aaron probably got angry at himself as he, as he taught, looked at himself and looked at his life and where he was, and he made some changes. What this passage is saying is this. He said, look, in your anger, don't sin. There will be times in your marriage where you become angry. Your spouse says something, does something, and you just Climb the wall. How could that person say that to me? Well, who do they think they are? Oh, they do things. Whatever it may be. Now, sinful responses, okay? You're angry. That's okay. Do something about it, but handle it in a godly way. But you don't. Here are your sinful responses. I want to attack you. Verbally or Physically. Sometimes it has become physical attacks because of something that has enraged you. There's no place in a marriage for that. There's no place in a marriage for verbal attacks. And you need to know that. You want to hold a grudge. You clam up. You are steaming. You want to get even. You want to do something to make them hurt like you have hurt. That's ungodly responses to anger. This is what he's saying. In your anger, don't sin. Instead, handle it God's way. Well, what is God's way? Well, it tells you right here. In other words, he says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Handle it that day. He's talking about time. He's talking about keeping current. Don't let things build up. Don't wait and say, okay, I'm just going to be mad, I'm going to clam up, I'm going to go to bed, and I'll deal with it tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, you feel a little better, and things are fine till about two weeks later when a similar situation happens, and you explode because, you know what, you didn't deal with it two weeks ago when you should have. You know, this whole thing about keeping current, dealing with it that day. We have a fear of confrontation. We, we Christians really do. I can't say Christians, but people in general do, but we as Christians have got to get over it. Confrontation in marriage doesn't have to be a bad thing. To tell somebody, I'm hurt, I'm angry, I didn't like it, that's okay and you should have the freedom to do that. And an honest man or woman will receive it and try to correct it. But when we don't, when we don't deal with it, Then later on we explode. Here's what it sounds like sometimes when that happens. We look at our mate and we say to them whenever they do this, because we haven't dealt with it, we say, you know what, you always do me that way. Or we say, you never do this for me. I've never known anybody that always did something or never did something. You know, there's always some gray area in there. But in our minds, we built it up to such a problem. The, yeah, we say, and, and this is the way we think and feel, that person is a horrible person because they never, ever do what I need them to do. They are always belittling me. They are always being saying this to me. When in reality, they're not always doing it. They did it two weeks ago and you didn't deal with it. And they're doing it again and you need to deal with it. So this whole idea of keeping current is very important because you need to understand this because here's here's the reason why and he tells you right here in this verse because you are giving the devil a foothold you're giving the devil a foothold what does that mean well think about it here i am uh it could be your you know the husband or the wife and two weeks ago, something was said that just cut me to the core, and I've been mad about it ever since. And all that time, here are the things that have been passing through your mind as, as Satan has begun to work on the, your thought life. Who do they think they are? You don't have to put up with that. You don't have to live like this. You can find somebody that really appreciates you. That guy at work, that gal over there, they, they would love you. They would appreciate you. They would never treat you that way. You need to hurt that person. You need to get back at them. You need to get even. You need to let them know who you are, and they can't treat you that way. All of these ideas pop into our minds because you've given the devil a foothold into your life for one reason. You didn't deal with it when it happened. And you think, well, I don't know what to say. Well, just be honest. Again, just be honest. You speak the truth, but you do it in love. You say to your husband or your wife, you know what? I don't appreciate that. I love you dearly and I don't deserve to be treated that way. Why do you talk to me that way? Why do you think that that wouldn't hurt me? Wouldn't that hurt you? If there's some issue where you disagree, then maybe you need to bring in a third party to help you understand it better. But the, the point of this is that you're keeping current. You're dealing with it then. What you're going to find, I really believe this, because in most cases this is the case that I've had to deal with people, what you're going to find is that person, even though they may have been angry at you when they said it, they may not have realized how they said it. And that really wasn't their intent. And what you're going to find is probably things have been let go for so long that now they've been built up on both sides. Simply talking, simply talking and listening and understanding, it it just works wonders and you'd be amazed at how that just diffuses a lot of things. So be honest. In the ways that we've talked about, especially not clamming up. That's so important because we do it all the time. And keeping current. Don't let things go. Deal with them now. I want to leave you with this, okay? A challenge. Three different things I want to share with you real quick. Listen. I'm challenging you to do this. Number one, to listen. To listen to the other person. Let me read you this passage of Scripture, okay? It's in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. Here's what it says. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. How many times have you spit off, you know, said something without listening to what the other person was saying? You didn't understand it and you responded, you made things worse. Listen. And I can tell you men especially that the majority of what your wife is asking for is to be heard and understood. Will you just listen to me? I didn't ask you to fix it. I just want you to hear me. You never hear me. Listen. So listen to her. Secondly, is that you work to understand her or him. Work at understanding. Here's a verse in Proverbs. Listen to this. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. And that's so true. So many times we just want to be heard and understood, but we don't really care what you think. If you would just listen to people and try to understand where they're coming from, put yourself in their position, that would go so far, believe me. Um, They just want to be understood. Anybody does. And here's the third thing, and that is don't wait. Don't put it off. You make a commitment that you're going to listen, you're going to try to understand, and you're not going to wait. Okay? You're not going to wait. You're going to deal with things as painful as it may be. In love, deal with it quickly. Because what are we after? We're trying to learn how to communicate because I'll guarantee you, you as a married couple can solve most of your own problems without counseling if you just learn to communicate with each other. And that is so important. You both have the Holy Spirit. This is what it says here in verse 25. He says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. You're both believers. You both have the Spirit of God living in you. You can solve this. It just takes some effort. And that is my prayer that you do that. We'll take the other two next time uh, we speak. It'll be in two weeks because we have a guest speaker next week but we'll deal with the other two rules of communication then. I want to close with this passage, this one little verse. It's really not a passage. Here it is. It's in Romans 3.28. If you're sitting here this morning and you can't say for sure that you would have eternal life if you died, listen to this. Paul writes to the Romans, he says, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Justified means declared righteous. Paul's saying this. He said, we conclude, we've come to the conclusion, and we understand this to be true, and here's what we're proclaiming. That every person is justified by faith apart from their own righteousness, the works of the law. You can't turn over a new leaf, promise God something, promise God you're going to give up or change in order to be saved. Those are good things, but they don't happen before you're saved. God says, you come to me. You come to me just the way you are, understanding who I am and what I've done for you, that I, my son died on a cross for your sins, and you put your faith in that, and you are declared righteous, you are justified by faith. And then we'll work on transforming you. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't understand that, why don't you right now, in the close of this service, make a decision that you're going to trust him to save your soul, You're going to give up on yourself and what you're trying to do and what you think you can achieve and let it go and turn to him and say, Lord, I believe. I believe that Jesus died for me, and I'm trusting in that right now. In that moment, very quietly, God says the Spirit of God is placed inside of you. And from that moment on, you have the power within you Be transformed. You want to see change? It's the only way it happens through Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. You're here this morning, and you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And then right there where you sit, that's when it happens. Right there where you sit. You turn to him in faith. You confess that you're a sinner that you can't save yourself. You've come to that realization. But you believe what the Bible says. You believe that Jesus died for you and you're choosing right now to trust Him. I'm going to stand on Him and Him only. Right now. The Bible says by faith you're saved. And it's not by your works. It's a promise from God, not from me. I can't promise you anything, but God makes that promise. For all the rest of us, if you are married, then I want you to take to heart what has been said. If you are a young person who's yet to be married, please understand these things. They'll save you a lot of heartache. If you're not married, but you have other relationships at work and family members and so forth, these are very easily transferred into any relationship. Use them because they work. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you, Father, we are overwhelmed with reality that your way always works. It is my prayer that our people here today That we would be convinced of this. And that Father, no matter what the situation in life, that we would choose to solve the problems or deal with the situation doing it your way. So Father, help us today to make a fresh commitment. A fresh commitment to live life biblically. And Father, that may be, that may require us to do some things that are uncomfortable, out of our comfort zone. But Father, may we trust You enough to do it. Give us the courage to be the people You want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.